Hi, I'm Audrey Bellis. And I'm Yvette Montoya. And you're listening to Brown Girls Rising, a worthy women podcast in partnership with Nylon and Español. We tell stories about femme leaders and activists of color, making our world a better place. Let's get started. We are here today with Karina Jimenez, a.k.a. the Cupcake Queen. Yeah. We are so excited. So I met Karina when I did the Jig Plus Saw talk. Oh, yeah. I was there. You were there. I was right there. I was barely alive, but I was right there. Let's talk about that day because we were here in studio. That was actually the last time we were here. Yes. Was it? Yeah. Ash Wednesday? Yeah. We were here all day and then we went back to the office, did more work, and then we went straight to that event and then... We got lost and then we hitched a ride. I was so mad. The golf cart. <laughs> hitched a ride on a golf cart. We we got there. My feet were killing me. My heels and my feet were s- swollen. They were puffy. I get like pregnant puffy feet even though I'm not pregnant, I swear. I was just not about walking and that guy drove by and you're like, hey, can we get a ride with you? In the cart? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. I could only fit one. And Yvette's like, she had already climbed on back and was like, don't worry. I'm on the back. Here we go. <laughs> Flapping in the wind. And um, we pull up to this building and there's that huge window in front and we pulled up on the And he gassed it for us. He was like, he was like, you girls are going to make an entrance. And he floored it. And so we came up extra quick. And um, the girl from Jig Plus Sock came out. She's like, you know how to make an entrance. And I'm like, well, yes, yes, I do. Do you know us? Hashtag often memorable. Thank you. Uh, No, but that was a great event. And you had, Karina, you had so many incredible questions. And um, yeah, you were the one asking all the good questions. I was trying to (laughs) down as much wine as possible and just like be a body there. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, I was so tired. I have to pay attention. I will say this, though. I have questions, you know. Uh, Yvette, yeah. after that event, well, you left early because you were tired. We were all tired. We'd been up super Kendra early. Kendra had to go and Kendra was my ride. Yeah. Um, that event in particular afterwards, Yvette told me that that was one of my better talks or like I was – what did you say? Oh, you said something like, oh, you were on point that night. I don't know how. I don't even remember it. I literally don't remember. It is such a blur to me of blank space and time where I just got off. I left and I was like, no, you were like loose. I was delirious. Yeah. Good. But it was in a good way. Is, is a terrible thing. Yeah, we got she me got all worn down. She was just talking, and I was like, I don't know what the, I don't know what this bitch is all, talking about. Just keep the words coming. Yeah. Just keep the words. Literally, I saw the Insta stories after, and I was talking about how I said I just wanted to throw up in my mouth. I know that's when I was like, oh wow. <laughs> she just went. She's there. just being real right now. <laughs> it's illusional when you're too tired. Yeah, I've been there. Oh, that was a yeah. rough one. But anyways, Karina, please introduce yourself to our audience as our cupcake queen. Please tell our audience who you are, what you do, and tell us specifically about the types of cupcakes because I'm already <laughs> drooling. Sure. Tengo baba aquí esperando los. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, I'm. I own a business called Viva, uh, Viva Los Cupcakes, and we make Mexican-inspired cupcakes with such flavors as tamal con mole. Mm. We have a margarita con tequila. We have mm. conchita. We have chur- con cajeta, and then we have flavors of the month, uh, and they've been as wild as mangoneada, oh, uh, manzana con tamarindo. We've had uh, chile en nogada, which is a very traditional dish, uh, and the list goes on. Okay. I totally <laughs> ate them. I got them at. I saw your booth. I I went up to you, and we were at um, Viva la Mujer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw the cupcake booth, and I was like, I have to try these cupcakes. And then I was like. But I want to try them all. And they were like, well, you can buy them all. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of each for you. I was, supposed to, I was supposed to share them. I ate all of them. Uh, your special flavor <laughs> was the bubblegum cheesecake. Oh, chiclet cheesecake. Yeah. And I was mm. like, I'm not going to like that. Made with chiclets? Yeah. Yeah. And it tasted oh. like bubblegum, but it was also... It's like the fruity. Well, because chiclets are fruity. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can I just tell you, I remember going to TJ when I was a little girl and like crossing the border, coming back, you wait in line and all the guys are selling you stuff, all the vendors. Mm -hmm. And I remember the chiclets, the chiclets. Oh, I haven't had a chiclet in so long. But I thought it wasn't going to be good. I'm not going to lie to you. I was (laughs) like, this is going to be weird. (laughs) We get that But it was good. And all of them were good. And the mole one was so delicious. I love mole poblano. I did not discover mole poblano until I was an adult. And I went to La Huasteca in oh, Linwood. Yeah, really good stuff there. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, you know we grew up with like a red spicy mole. I've never had that. There's so many varieties. Mole yeah. poblano or There's the spicy red mole. 
Which one's the brown one that you make? Poblano. Is poblano? Mine is a poblano style. Yeah, okay. But it really depends on the type it's of chocolate, chiles. And right? like we add way more chocolate, so it's going to be more on the brown mm-hmm. side. Yeah. It was spicy and it was also mole-like and it was also sweet. So yeah. I appreciated it. Yeah. Hold on, but the concha. Oh. I have to say this. <laughs> I didn't try that one, but I wish I had. You have missed out in life because <laughs> I, I... I had to get churro. <laughs> I mean, I love a churro. Don't get me wrong. Like there is, I cannot resist a churro in my life. And you know who has decent churros? Costco. And if you get, my chunky sister told me this. If you get the vanilla soft serve, you can stake your churro in it. And I can point you some like old school, like street style churros. I love to swap me, you guys. What do you think about orchateria? I went to high school with them. Oh, no way. Yeah. Well, well, middle school. Middle school. Because I went to a different high school. They have a great business model. The awesome. Fact, it's uh, my sister just got those concha stuff. The fluffy, Sundays. No, no, no. Oh, with the ice cream in it? No. Oh, no, no, no. The, the, is it like mirror? Yeah, it's hanger, the mirror things. Like things. you would hang like dice. fuzzy dice, yeah. but they're fuzzy conchas. Yeah. <laughs> you know the pan dulce? Yeah. The concha? Concha is like taking on another level, like so, pop culture. Yeah. And I Who actually knew? have something I'm working on for the end of the year regarding Ooh. conchas so stay tuned you guys we Ooh. will stay tuned <laughs> i remember after church when i so my mom is mexican catholic my dad's an italian jew and neither of my parents are religious so my grandma who lives with my tia julia was very insistent on my religious upbringing thank god um literally yes literally <laughs> praise the jesus and we're in lent right now by the time this airs it'll be over but um every sunday so my grandma would make my teoría stop and pick me up on the way to church. My grandma would take me to Misa in Spanish, and she would sit me in the front pew by myself so I could learn, and <laughs> oh, she would man. go do her thing. And I had my veil, and I still wear my veil. And afterwards, my tía used to tell me if I was good, she would take me to the panaderia, uh, and it was a church in Linwood. So we used to go mm-hmm. up Long Beach Boulevard to Rosa's <laughs> Panaderia. And my tía Julia used to let me pick my own pan dulce, <laughs> and I always got the pink concha yeah. and the sprinkle cookie. Oh, the sprinkle cookies. Those were mine. And I used to love it. And I remember like, oh my gosh, there is nothing more exciting than a warm, teeny tiny concha. Mm-hmm. And there's a place in Paramount by my parents' house that has these tiny conchas. They have the mini ones. Yeah. yeah. And they get and they um, do them twice a day. And I used to go get them in the afternoon, like at 4.30. And it's right across the street from Paramount High School. And the line would wrap around the building for people in line. And they only make them till they run out. Once they're done, they're done. Oh, my God. My fat ass. I want these so bad right now. I have, like, literally talked myself into (laughs) a, like, I need to go have a pan dulce. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I remember in elementary school. I grew up in Mexico. So I went all the way to, like, the beginning of seventh grade. I was totally guessing that you were a white girl. (laughs) I get that all the time. I get that all the time. We're going to go back to that. But tell us more about growing up in Mexico. Oh, yeah. So um, I did come from I come from a family of restaurant owners. So I grew up in a restaurant. Like I would bust tables and wash dishes and stuff when you like were that. Y- when you were little? Yeah. And my mom and I are the sweet tooth. So my mom's always baked. And she's not really into the decorating. So I would do that. Um, but one of the memories you were saying is coming out of elementary school, there was a panaderia right in the corner. And we used to always stop by after school and grab a concha. But we would also ask, when are the warm conchas coming out? And we would know, like, what time and going, oh, man, it's like a cloud. It's, like, delicious. I do that, but for bolillo. That, too. I love a fresh bolillo. (gasps) Sounds delicious right now. Mm. Or the ones with the cream cheese and the jalapenos in it. No, yeah. I've never had that. Yeah. Oh, my God. You have so to. good. It's like lunch. <laughs> I've literally never had that. Yeah. I've I only had regular d- warm And I put carne asada in that, in that sucker. <laughs> that makes me, like, really Lettuce regret my very sandwich. healthy chicken and rosemary potatoes and grilled vegetables <laughs> that I just inhaled for the diet good. life. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us a little bit more about coming up. Coming up as a kid or coming up in life? <laughs> all of it. All <laughs> of it. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I grew up in Mexico, so that's where all my inspiration comes from. Uh, going to the to the mercados and just uh, all the candies I'd eat when I was a kid, all the desserts <gasps> the from the tías. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let me interrupt for two seconds. My same tía, tía Julia, when I was little, told me that if I learned to speak Spanish better, <laughs> she was going to take me to the dulceria and I could pick out my candies. <laughs> and... Candy she bags. used to call it La Buena Dulceria. There was a bad dulceria for niñas <laughs> malas where it was puro, like, candies de chile, which I actually <laughs> really love. But if I was good, I could go to the Buena Dulceria. 
And I used to always buy the box of mazapanes. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I didn't know it was called a mazapane. I always thought it was called a de la rosa because that's what it says oh. on the box. Well, that is the brand. That is the brand, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> and so uh, my dad, I always crave Mexican candies. And there's a Mexican grocery store near my parents' house. So my, I, my dad goes, I'm going to the store. Can I get you anything? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm craving something good. I was like, get me like the little tamarindo ones with the with a gummy bear inside or some mazapanes. And he literally calls me from the store, my white dad. Well, pumpkin, there's a bag here that says revolcaditas and a mazapan. And I was like, get me all of it. Get me all of it. <laughs> Just all of it. Oh, I love dulces. I love yeah. dulces. Um, yeah, so I grew up with all of that. And uh, I grew up in Tijuana, in, in, in Tijuana, Rosarito, Tecate. Mm-hmm. So I'm from El Norte compared to... Uh, the other regions of Mexico. Um, so we have, of course, a lot of influence as a border town. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with all of the chocolates. Oh, man. I remember getting a full bar and just eating that by myself. I'm like, not sharing with my little brother. But, um, you know, we have, like, some of our tamales that are sweet are very different from other parts of the regions. Um, do you guys do yours um, with the pineapple and the raisins yeah. and the sugar cane? We do a pineapple and we do... Uh, Those are good. Yeah, pasitas y canela. Ooh, that sounds but delicious. The pineapple tamale is not, I think it's a regional thing. Not everyone knows it. Got it. I actually never knew about strawberry tamales until I came here. Never heard of it. Yeah, no. never but heard now of we it. want it. Yeah, there's strawberry tamales, and I've always, I've, I've, I didn't grow up with them, and I didn't find out that somebody made strawberry tamales until I came to the U.S. Interesting. We do our our family does rajas de chile oh, mm-hmm. with yeah. the white corn. Yeah, and I remember somebody was like, I don't understand. Oh, rajas. No. Yeah, we, rajas. Yeah. we do empanadas because we're Chilean. Yeah, it's <laughs> <That's> all good. <laughs> delicious. I, I want an empanada. Like, give me all of it. Yeah, the ch- I will we eat do. It. We buy tamales because my gra- I mean my grandma was Chilean, so she always made um, pancitos and she made. Um, empanadas and then you have like the fried ones that are with cheese and you fry them and it's almost like like a cheese sauce that's inside that are really good and then the other ones have a combination of like ground meat we use veggie meat because my family's vegetarian and um basas and onions yeah (laughs) and um, are those baked or also fried those are baked i like the baked ones i've um, I like Argentinian um, yeah, empanadas with like the cheese and the spinach. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Colombian ones, the little yellow fried ones with yeah. the meat and the potatoes oh, inside. Like with the green dipping so, sauce. What do they that's call that? Chimichurri. chimichurri. That's chimichurri. Argentinian. Oh. Do you guys don't have tamales at all or a version of? Um, um, we, have, we have a wrapped um, kind of corn basil mush. That is wrapped in a corn husk. Polenta? No. But <laughs> I love it's called, polenta. It's called an umita. Huh. So umitas, it's just basil, and then you eat it with um, pebre, which is like almost like a chimichurri, but it's just the Chilean version, I, I guess. I want that now. Like, they have Gore del Rincón Chileno. It's in Hollywood. Oh, good. Good to know. It's in Hollywood. I'm a foodie, dude. I just I want to try everything. I don't know if I'm a foodie. I'm just indiscriminatory when it comes to food, caffeine, and alcohol. (laughs) Basically, I eat and drink all my feelings. Just put it in my my motto. Just put it in front of me. I'll eat it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We had polenta at the nylon dinner. Um, The tomaleche. That's right. That was a very interesting dinner. Um, Yeah, it was a lot of a fusion. It was very rich. The food was rich, and it was delicious, but it was very different. Um, But, you know, it was very... it was traditional. It, it was, was traditional, traditional, but like with, with a fusion. Yeah. So isn't that, that's kind of like what you're doing with cupcakes. Oh, totally. Traditional fusion. Yeah. It's so uh, we're bringing in traditional Mexican flavors and doing it into a fusion with a very American cake, which are cupcakes. Yeah. And you, for sure. what I love twist. about that is um, you did what people would die to do and exercise their creativity. You left a desk job that oh, you didn't yeah. love, are living. I mean, you've got, <laughs> I'm looking at you right now with like turquoise blue hair, uh. <laughs> living literally out loud in life. Here you are. You're living the dream. I am Mexican. I swear I am Mexican. <laughs> Her shirt says Rancheras, kick ass. And it's got Vicente Fernandez on it. Ay, chente. <laughs> That's funny. May he never die and live yeah. in Oh, I have one of his tattoos. See, that's one of his songs. Hermoso Cariño is a song by Vicente Fernandez. Oh, yes, it is. Hermoso yeah. Cariño. That's my song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I get real tuned real you quick. You guys are really Mexican. <laughs> I'm, telling you, I, I'm telling you, I'm sure we were like the whitest girls at all the paisa parties. Yeah. Uh-huh. We were just oh, talking man. about that on yes. Instagram. How 
how I used to ditch school with my fake ID and go to El Paral for the banda nights? I've been there at least once. Oh, my gosh. Before I got taken down. But, yeah, I did the circuit, girl. And oh. it was great to see. Um, and, dude, at the time, I had pixie short hair. Like, mm. little blonde pixie short hair. Okay, white girl, like, with all the yeah. sombrerudos. And all the older men would come and ask um, to this dance. Sorry, Girl, it was like their best English. What else are you doing here? I'm like, but your Spanish is good because you grew up in Mexico. Yeah. Mine's super pocha, but it's cool. Yeah, I can like, communicate. It's a white but girl. Like, she goes oh. to the banda clubs just for the music and the ambiance. <laughs> or the drinks. Yeah. <laughs> they don't the hide. <laughs> oh. Mexican country. <laughs> so what was it like for you leaving your job and then starting this cupcake empire? Which, what were you by doing the way, before? Is so dope and you've gotten tons of media coverage. Oh, it's been crazy. But it, has it always been that way? Was it like an instant it's, pickup? It's been an increasing. It's been definitely increasing. It's the once we were out and I'm everywhere. I would oh, start I see you getting, on Instagram. You work girl, hard. You're I like am us. everywhere. Um, so it started just accumulating, and because we were out there everywhere, it just started grabbing people's attentions, and it would just kind of snowballed up until this point now. But um, leaving the job, it was honestly a blessing in disguise. Mm. I had already done corporate apparel for almost five years, and I was honestly like dying inside. It was so dull for me. It was so boring. I just could not hang, you know, being attached to a desk for eight hours. What was your industry? Corporate apparel. Oh, I like for some fashion. Oh, oh when you I said corporate you, apparel, I you, meant you mean wearing it? Oh no, no, no! Like wearing apparel. No, you're talking about like suits. Like no, like fashion, like a jean company and another big company, women's clothing. Oh. I worked in the customer service department, so it's not the um, they call the one eight hundred customer service, but it's we dealt with the boutiques that bought our clothes Got wholesale, it. and it was like high end, mm-hmm. high end jeans and high end uh, women's fashion. So it's it's a paper pusher job. Is you know it's being on a desk. It's like running reports, like a hundred, two hundred pages every day. And, Mm. Sounds like fun. Cubicle fever, no. Yeah, let <laughs> yeah. me give you the Ana, the Anais Nin quote. If I had not created my own world, I certainly would have died in somebody else's. Yeah, exactly. And I that's think we exactly feel the same. how I felt. Yeah. I was, and, and I started doing the cupcakes for that because I was bored and I hated it. And <laughs> I said, I, I need to be creative. I need to make something. Yeah. When did you know you were like onto something? Um, when I started spending a lot of time on it. I just said, okay, I'm doing this a lot. I'm putting a lot of hours into this. Okay, let's let's do something with this. Did you start with freelance orders and kind of yeah, on the side? Friends, family, yeah, side hustle for sure. Uh, I still had my full-time job and um, I started doing, you know, people's friends' parties. Oh, let me do something for you. I'm already thinking of all the parties I have coming up <laughs> and our Women of Worth Gala in July and our national conference in November. No let joke. me know, girl. Holla. <laughs> <laughs> Concha roll through. <laughs> yeah. So when did For you sure. know that? Were you automatically mixing it with like Mexican culture and Mexican flavors? Not at the beginning. I started just like a lot of these very de- decorated, elaborate cupcakes. That did you, you go see through it? the rose phase of, of how to course. make the rosebud cupcakes? Yeah. Dude, that was like I did like the Pinterest on point. Like no, I would go all out. Are you self taught or yeah. did you self taught? Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm like I like to eat, and they were very <laughs> they were very moist. Let me say that. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, these are so moist and delicious. I Thank like you. You know what? I, I hear that a lot. And that's that's something that we strive for. I, yeah, I hate dry I mean, that's, cake. That's the marker of a good cupcake. <laughs> for they sure. I totally miss my inappropriate sexual reference. No, I, 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 I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to say <laughs> I didn't it. I miss it. I just ignored else. it. You never paid attention to me. I, I know a lot of people that get bothered by that word. but Yvette, does it? Yeah, I love moist. that word. It makes me think of like you know more what word comforty. I'm I, bothered by in Spanish though. Because like. Yeah. Chupar. That like bothers me. I think oh. it's like for me it's the same as moist for people. I'm like chupa. <laughs> I just I don't know. I was just saying mine is baba. Baba? Yeah. I'm just oh, like, I love baba. Gross. We the- just said this on the last podcast, two yeah. podcasts ago. I was talking about thirsty people <laughs> and how they roll up. And my friend goes, I tienen yeah. mucho sed. And I was like, oh, no, okay. se le están cayendo la baba. Yeah. That's a, it's a whole saying. 
Oh, a Mexican city. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> realize that. Yeah, <laughs> la, la, la land. Yeah. Or like, or, no mames. Someone's thirsty. <laughs> no mames. For sure. Oh, I hate mames. That yeah. I don't like. <laughs> I say it all the time, dude. That's like I way. Yeah. Everybody has a See friend way. like that. I have. This is ways every other word. Oh, but yes. you guys, no, no, you know, like the the fresa way of saying way. It's not way. It's way. Oh. Like, is, that cool? is that the cool way? It's like it's like the fresa, uh, the fresa girl, uh, the girl fresa way of saying way. Because you don't say way, because that's like it's kind of vulgar. Yeah. So you say way. It's chunt. That's cool. <laughs> it's chuntaro. It's uh, it's naco to say that, right? Oh my gosh. So I'm extra naco. You get all these fresas that say way. Men way, o sea way. O sea, I hate. <laughs> I have. I feel like everyone says that they hate it, but it's just like so. I just think it's funny. It's, it's funny. The Sinaloa family. O sea. Oh, yeah. Que padre. Oh. Ay, que asco. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but my I, gosh. Sinaloa. Sinaloenses Every, have a dirty mouth. Yeah. They have, to, they have other words that I don't even know because I've been out of the loop for so long. But <laughs> I'm from the Norte, so I know the words yeah. in the Norte. And then my husband is from Puebla, which mm-hmm. is the central area of Mexico. A whole other slew of vocabulary. It's totally different. I'm, we're always at it. Like I'm like I, I, I mimic his accent, and then he mimics <laughs> mine, and then sometimes we sound like each other. I'm like, dude, we're hanging out too much. That's <laughs> me and Yvette. Yvette's she likes when she gets irritated by things. Not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> and I find myself all the time going, Not today. <laughs> and oh, you always go, Oh my gato. Oh my gato. And now I started saying it, and then um, it happened. Uh, can I live? <laughs> Wait, and concha or, is something else for your neck of the woods, isn't it? A concha? In South America, concha is something else. Uh, I think it might be sexual. Yeah, I think it's a woman's part. Yeah. Oh, well, well, I'm when I've heard that. for here, like the, I don't know if I can say panocha on this, yeah. but You've never I remember. Heard that? No, I had never in, heard in it Mexico, until someone had said meanings. it to me, and I was like, that three is. Meanings. That for me like sounds super vulgar. Chonch. We call it the chonch. Choncha. <laughs> There's so many names for that one. Yvette gets mad when I call it chonch. And I'm like <laughs> Or like when people have a camel toe and they have a fat chonch. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why that bothers me so much. I'm not Even British. my mom says fat chonch. She's like, look at that girl thinking with fat chonch. <laughs> and then oh better. The fupa. What? Oh no. What fat is upper that? pussy area. Oh my, I have not heard that. You've never heard of a fupa? No. My sister educated my mother on what a fupa was. And my buttoned up mother loves to talk about it. It is hilarious. I'm like, elevate it. You know, just elevate it. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. Own it. What a time to be alive. Or papada. Papada. Yeah, papada. Like the double chin. Mm -hmm. I had never heard that. My mom taught me that. uh Oh my gosh, I have one of those stories for you. What? Not papada, but um, so your armpit. Right. Uh, at least in Mexico, we call it sobaco. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> someone told me that their mom told them that their sobaco wasn't sobaco. She called her panocha. Okay. Oh. Oh. The whole she grew up knowing that this was panocha. <laughs> that, that your under arm. You could make it queef armpit. though. You really <laughs> so she's Same been noise. using that word forever, and then she used it at work, oh, and people no. were like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> She's like, but this Our is sound engineer is dying. Because <laughs> I'm talking about queefing over here. <laughs> like, no, it's a sobaco girl. I'd be like, girl, that's your claxilas. <laughs> claxilas, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what my I'm grandma so calls proper. it. You are proper. <laughs> but uh, I've had people on Facebook tell me, when I, when I, when I ever, ever I post about the Conchita cupcakes, and everyone's loving it because they're mm-hmm. Mexican or or know it. And then some people go, I just think it's, I'm South American. I just think it's funny that Concha means an entirely different thing. You oh, should do girl. one in the shape of a vulva. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> a Concha vulva. Oh, dude. I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Celebrate women. We are celebrating all of your femininity. Mm-hmm. And now you can taste like a concha in <laughs> all the ways. <laughs> Sweet and delicious. We'll even make it pink for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they shade. Actually, our conchitas, cupcakes, the tops, yeah. you the can, chocolate, you can, the yeah. cream, the yeah. strawberry. You can do, you can do it. Colors. <gasps> you should. That should be a series. That should 100% be a series. You guys heard it here first. Sure. <laughs> concha vulvas in all the shades. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to talk to you about the event that I'm. Putting together. I hope it's got something to do with conchas and bulbas. It has everything to do with conchas. And it could have bulbas will be involved. 
(laughs) physically and intellectually. I love that. And I love that you're using culture to express yourself and and you just in general, like you are such a powerhouse. I feel like you're really elevating your community. I, I saw an Instagram post. Uh, I think you tagged me in it about doing what you can with what you have. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're forever in the office trying to MacGyver things yep. or finagle things with what yeah. we don't have to mm-hmm. make it work. If people knew the things that we did on the limited, ec- like, no budget type yeah. stuff that we have and produce I'm all about it. Um, you just got to make it happen. And I think that that's such a way to express yourself as a bold feminist and empower communities. This podcast is called Brown Girls Rising for the elevation of how we uplift mm-hmm. our communities through art, through culture, through music. And you're certainly doing it with the most, I think, the most appropriately brown girl <laughs> thing to do is food. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Ay, when I go, you know, with my tias. Ven, siéntate, te sirvo. Yeah. A ver qué, un Food. cafecito, un postre, a ver dime. Food is so tied to culture, it you know. truly and is. And femininity, especially within yes. our culture specifically. It's so Actually, is. every culture, food is like a, the woman's it's thing. It's a central, yeah, it's a, it's a central area of any culture. So we have so, so many feelings attached to food, memories. It's. Yeah, it's, it's a powerful it's a powerful thing. And actually, mm. the HuffPost just released uh, um, a story on they talk about how baking has um, this physical and uh, an emotional um, benefit. For people who bake, because it has all these emotions, the same thing, food, how it's connected. Uh, like water for chocolate. You guys remember that? You know, when exactly. Pita? When you mentioned something, that's exactly what I thought. If you, part in the have kitchen. you seen it? Like yeah. water for chocolate, the mm-hmm. movie? You have to see it. You have to see it in Is Spanish. Is that the one with Johnny Depp? No. No, no that's chocolate. Oh, which very is different. Yeah. So you have to read the book. The book is incredible, yeah. but watch the movie mm-hmm. in Spanish, Pedro and Tita. Yeah. Um, like Water for Chocolate. I, I remember my movie. mom used to make me close my eyes. They're always oh, the having scenes. sex. The forbidden <laughs> love. And there's a scene where Tita makes mole for her mm-hmm. sister's wedding. Man. And she cries because her sister is marrying the man that she loves. Her mom wouldn't let her marry him. So he marries the sister and she cries into the mole tears. And when everybody eats the mole, they all start crying uncontrollably. It's this beautiful scene. And um, it really does. It feels that way, right? There is an emotional connection with food. and Even things like um, cooking with. We just celebrated my grandma's 88th birthday this last weekend. And my grandma's very tall, very fair like yourself. Mm -hmm. Pale skin, blue eyes, had blonde hair, Mm -hmm. six feet tall. And my wow. grandma, when she measures and cooks, she puts everything in her hand and pushes it with her finger. <laughs> and she measures it like in yeah. little piles in her mm-hmm. in the palm of her hand. And when my sister was little, she used to tell my grandma, Abuelita Panchita. So her name's <laughs> my grandma Pancha. Grande mano. And she would like, like, that's how my grandma would measure. And Sarah that's would say, Quantos grande manos? Mm-hmm. Like to put how much salt, un puñetazo de sal or whatever. And um, we're at the party this weekend and I was cooking in... Uh, in the kitchen, people had arrived late. My tia that was supposed to help was running late, getting her, getting sus highlights. <laughs> Estaba haciendo sus rayitos. <laughs> and so she was running late. And so I got stuck in the kitchen helping and I'm cooking and my grandma comes up behind me and she puts the mandil on me. And I'm like, grandma, I don't need that. And she's like, ocupa tu mandil. And interestingly, all my tias, my grandma has six daughters. Every time somebody, including my mom, every time they showed up to take turns in the kitchen, my grandma would take off the mandil. And by the end of the day, everyone had worn the mandil. Oh, wow. And I was watching them. And I was like, oh, and I joked about it. I was like, everybody's, whose turn is it with the mandil? Tia Rosa, Tia Raquel. But it becomes such a nice tradition. It is. It is. It is. And it's very, um, I think, emotional for me, especially as my grandma gets up in age. Um, We've had some heavy family illnesses the last year, cancer, other major things in the family. And I thought about it and I go, oh, my gosh, if my tia dies, if something happens to my mom, they're the keepers of the recipes. I don't know how to make the mole like my grandma does. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to make the chile rellenos like my tia Julia does. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to make the salsa the same way that my tia Raquel does. My mom does her things. Everybody has a – my mom's the baker. Everybody else is the cook. My mom's the baby. She's the baker. Everyone has their way of doing things. And I thought, we don't have a family recipe book. Mm-hmm. If my tia, one of my tias was very sick and was undergoing major chemotherapy around Thanksgiving. And I remember thinking like, oh man, uh, if she wasn't here, who's going to make the camotes? 
Yeah. Nobody knows how to make the camotes like she does. Mm-hmm. Like, and and the importance of we, I was just telling my mom this, we need to put together a family recipe and I want to learn from each of my tias. Mm-hmm. What are the things that they make specifically that I love? Because those things are passed down through generations. Exactly. And again, like my grandma, she doesn't measure things with measuring spoons the way we do. She just puts it in her hand and she, she pokes says, it with her much. finger and she goes, sas, ahí está. Not even ahí está, ahí está. Ahí está. And you're like, and and I I thought about the first time I thought about the same, like, oh, I don't know how to cook this and this and that when I was in college and I didn't live at home. And I was like, oh, how do I make how do I make this that I love? How do I make and it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then going back to food and being emotional, I it's so funny and really interesting how um the cupcakes do the same. Because people I you know, on, on social media or the people that come to our booths, they go, Oh, look, Conchitas, Pan Dulce, like my grandma used to take me. Or It brings up all these childhood memories. And the first time that we came up with our masa pan cupcake, oh, uh, I had never seen so many crying emojis Aww. on our posts in Instagram. Yeah, my bet. It was, it was such an emotional thing. You know, like, this is really cool. <laughs> it's really yeah. cool that you get to relive and you get excited because you remember these things that breaking the piñatas, you know, yeah. being given it to given to you. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, those things are very they're very heavy and I think they're so important to keep those traditions and cultures alive. Like I um I grew up in pa- close to Paramount and I went to school in Paramount and all my friends were Mexican. So all of our piñatas always had candy from TJ Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was like the best because you couldn't find it other places now Target or at least the Target by my mom's house has a Mexican candy section I think the first time I had Mexican candy was like five years ago Oh, that's so sad for you. I had never <laughs> had, never had that. I'd never had La Rosa. I had never had that little one with like the straw, half strawberry, half vanilla. Duvalin, the Duvalin the stick. which <gasps> is our flavor of the month you, right now. Oh, you haven't had a Duvalin since yeah. five years. No, that's the first time I had it. I pity you. And that one oh comes in two flavors. Yeah, I had the chocolate one too. Yeah, chocolate, vanilla. <laughs> Did you have the marshmallow chocolate. pops? The ones, the marshmallow that are dipped in, um, in the chocolate. ¿Cómo se dicen? Uh, it's like a little paleta, but it's a marshmallow and it's covered in chocolate. And then it has like the like a sprinkles on, on it. And it ha- no, no, no. You're thinking. Oh, the I know gamesa, which, one. which my you're, dad calls the gamesas. <laughs> you're thinking of um, paleta payaso. Yes, yes. It's it's supposed to be a clown face. Yeah, and it's like this big marshmallow dipped in chocolate. The whole thing is in chocolate, and it has gummy eyes and a gummy yeah. mouth. No. Yeah. And everyone as a kid will eat the gummies and throw away the rest. No yes. one I ever had was like paletas because I lived in Huntington Park for the a Chile little ones? while. Yeah. Like the ice oh. pops paletas? Like just all like or the, the paleta the, de chile, like the corn Hashtag one. Yvette is the paleta queen. <laughs> yeah, I love paletas now. Like yeah. the ones that are just like the jugo con fruta. Mm-hmm. Like those are the bomb. But like I had never had all of like these different kinds of Mexican candies before. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I remember the first time I was with somebody and they opened up. Oh, my God. You guys get down. (laughs) They opened up a bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos and they took it over to where the nacho cheese was. And they put it all in there. And I was like, this has just changed my life. (laughs) It is mind blown. I was like, what are you doing? They're like, I'm just making this. Do you want some? I ate like that whole thing. I was like, this is incredible. I should uh, probably not do this though. I, in Mexico, outside of school, uh, seventh grade, it was Tostitos with nacho cheese. And oh. it was like the green salsa Tostitos with yes. nacho cheese. And if you wanted to, you could add cueritos. <gasps> I love cueritos. There's so, I, I don't think people appreciate Mexican food as much as they should because it's like considered like cheap, like street food. But it's not. It's not. It's so but like, gourmet. I feel like there's not even the gourmet aspect of it. I feel like there's so much ingenuity that goes into oh, it. Yeah. Everyone is so creative. Every state has its own different it, kinds yeah, of food. It is. It it's, is very every unique. Every family and has its own tradition. But I think street food in general lends itself to that. Yeah. You know, if 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 it's like streets lined with food yeah. vendors, someone needs to come up and do something different. But. And we wouldn't know that here in the U.S. I mean, because there's no street vendors. No, no. it's very different. Yeah. Um, my mom grew up in Nayarit. I have cousins that grew up in Los Cabos and like mm, very wow. like seafood regional oh, type girl, stuff. I'm from Baja. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Like you put a little chilito and a little limon on everything. Aguachiles. Oh, I was just craving that. I make a bomb aguachiles. You 
do. Yes. A man from Sinaloa taught me how to make it the way they make Kulichis it Kulichis do it right when it comes yeah. to Oh Sinaloa. my God, it's so bomb. I'm, I'm get, I get down. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> you know who does amazing um, all camarón ceviche? Amapola. Really? La Amapola. And I haven't it's been there big, in a while. Big shrimp. You know why? Was it because of the tamal crisis with the raw, th- the raw masa? Oh, I heard Maybe, about that. Really? I, I didn't. Yeah. Tamal crisis 2017. <laughs> 2016. It was at Christmas. Oh, it, was it was a big oh, yeah. deal. And they were really? refunding all the money for the masa. And then everybody oh, was just terrible. going and being like, hey, mine's bad too. And they refunded everybody, <laughs> no questions asked. Wow. They ran out of cash. That was a that horrible sucks. thing. And I love La Mapola. Yeah. Because it they used have to, good masa. <laughs> they do. Well, I remember growing up, like we didn't have things like Gonzales, like Northgate, like mm-hmm. Superior, like yeah. Amapola. You just only went to the mm-hmm. local car- carniceria. We used to have one in Paramount called La Michoacana, which was super tiny. And they ended yeah. up going out of business oh. um, because they were like the little teeny tiny thing. And then we got a, we got a big saver. Or, like, no, we I, got a Northgate. Yeah. And I, I remember Amapola from way back too. Yeah. Before any of these other. Tam- masa para tamales. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, we have to get off food because we want to know real serious things. I want to know because, and I hope I didn't offend you by being like, I didn't even know that she's Mexican or Latina because I hate when people do that to me and here I am doing it to you. I get it all the time. I'm used to it. Well, I mean, you're coming from Mexico to over here. So I guess like that's a little bit different of an experience. I'm a, yeah, I'm a different Mexican. Yeah. I, 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 it's she's funny. legit. Yeah. <laughs> not like uh, we're claiming we are, but she's I, legit, legit. Yeah. I'm like, I might not have the nopal on my frente, but I eat it all the time. Like, no joke. Mm. Like, we have nopales in my backyard. Like, my dad has like 10 trees, and we literally okay. have nopales like every other day. We joke that this is how you know you're Mexican <laughs> and from Paramount because you have a papaya growing in the front yard, a platano, nopales, and a guayaba tree, and maybe a lemon tree. And. Uh-huh. You have rooster statues. You ever seen that? No, I've seen the actual roosters. I've seen the actual seen roosters. roosters. Like we had chickens. that. We've seen that. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of houses in a row on one street that literally have these fences. And in between <laughs> each post are rooster like statues like this. And when I was a little girl, because I was very like loud and I used to puff out my chest as evidenced <laughs> in my adult life. My tío Juan used to call me Audrey Gallos. He was like, hey, he's like, I'm mija, you're like the Gallos. Siempre andas aquí de boluda Do you remember <gasps> okay, Marimar had a pet chicken. And what was the pet chicken's name? Oh, God, I don't even remember. The, her pet chicken's name was Macha. Like macho, but yeah. Macha. Mm-hmm. Because it was a tough chicken. <gasps> That's I me. Remember that. it was something, I remember something like I'm that. I'm going to clean that. that. <laughs> I used to love that. Oh, Talia. Amor a la Mexicana was my favorite Talia song. <laughs> that was like the first time I remember. We talk about Selena a lot on this yeah. podcast about like identifying and feeling like the first time we've really seen somebody that we can relate to or has related to us. I remember Thalia growing up when she had Amor a la Mexicana. Um, what was her other like really big 90s hit? Um, Amor oh, there, a la Mexicana. There was that Sudor Saliva song. Yeah, but that one like it was it was big. Oh, yeah. Piel Morena. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Eres Piel Morena. I was like, do you consider yourself a brown girl because you're kind of pink i'm <laughs> dude i'm so pale <laughs> um i i you know i've been thinking about that in this last couple of years um that i'm out so much now and i, I following to your question yvette um because i grew up in mexico and moved here when i was 13 it's been a such a different experience for me. Um, I lived in a border town, so maybe it wasn't a complete new environment, but it was different for sure. I, I've i moved so much that sometimes I feel like I don't know what to claim. Where am I from? I'm from Mexico. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. Exactly. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. I, I lived in, different, in a couple different towns in Mexico, but all like border towns. And then when I moved here... Um, I lived in LA and I lived also in other cities. I lived in Southgate. I lived in Downey. Mm-hmm. I lived the in mansions Bell. of Downey. I, no, I wish not there. <laughs> were you the one who didn't know what the mansions of Downey? The Mac were? mansions yeah. of Downey. Yeah. But yeah, so following to that, um, I I know I'm a brown girl, even though I don't look like it, and it's actually um, now made me aware. More so 
to to have the need to look into my roots mm-hmm. because I have one grandmother who's fair. Well, all my grandparents are past, but one grandmother who's fair and one grandmother who's brown. And by brown, I mean of indigenous right. roots. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't know. No one ever asked, uh, speaks about it or where she might indigenous uh, her roots might be or did she speak a, a dialect that was never talked about because in Mexico being brown is very different yeah so I just had this conversation uh one of my uncles passed away on Friday and then uh, well we had his funeral on Friday and then Saturday was my grandma's um birthday so we have family in from everywhere from Mexico from Oregon people that I haven't seen in a long time and the discrepancies between us from blonde hair, blue eyes, yeah. pale and freckled to super dark. Mm-hmm. And then we even have um, uh, Japsican cousins no way. that are Japanese Mexican from Chinese Mexico. Mexican. Yeah, I have Chinese Mexican from Mexico. And we were That's just like, funny. where did you guys come from? <laughs> there was a big influx of yeah. Asian community into Mexico when their railroads were being built in Mexicali. That makes sense. So there's a big was that like Chinese community. I think it was earlier. My grandpa worked my Mexican grandpa worked on the railroads, and that's when mm-hmm. he came to the U.S. Interesting. When yeah. they were doing that, I think it started earlier, but yeah, it might be one of the continuation. But uh, yeah. there was so there's a big influx of Chinese community in Tijuana yeah. and Mexicali. So when you go to Mexicali, the big thing is to go eat Chinese food. <laughs> in yeah, I remember watching a lot of about that yeah. and uh, how they think that the or somebody who was like a special like chef and Chinese food went to Mexico to see what it was like. And he was like, yeah, this is garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. (laughs) He's like, this is gross. I don't know. Is that like saying here, you know, Mexican food Taco Bell? I know. It's the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, So this weekend at my grandma's birthday, I'm looking at everybody thinking how different everybody looks. And I, my grandma started talking about this and this is the first time I'd ever heard this story. And she goes, I was talking about a cousin who was here. She's my second cousin. So basically she's my tia. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cause she's my mom's cousin, mm-hmm. uh, about how she's especially dark. Right. And we joke that my mom's la prieta cause she's <laughs> the youngest and she's the only dark one. And, uh, and my grandma tells this story about, well, you know why we're fair, right? Because when, um, when the priests were coming over to colonize and like spread the ministry of the good word, she was like, there was a priest that fell in love with somebody's like, with like her grandma. Oh, wow who was indigenous and like started the line of the fair ones. Yeah. And so um, we're Muñiz, Muñoz, and Escalante. Oh, wow. And De La Torre. Muñiz and Muñoz. Wow, that's a Yeah, my grandma is Muñiz, Muñoz. That's crazy. No, Muñoz, Muñiz. Whoa. <laughs> Muñoz, Muñiz. <laughs> and so we have them on like both sides of the family. And we're like at the funeral. And I have cousins from in town. And I'm like, well, I didn't even know that they knew this deal. Because I thought they were married in. And my grandma's like, no, no, no. They're related on both sides. How are you related on both sides? <laughs> That's like my family. They're related on both sides. Like, my you grandma, get out of your town? My grandma's sister uh, married my grandpa's brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Things and, like that. I've known families like that, too. And there's this one guy in my family, an outsider, yeah. who has kids with my mom's family and my dad's family. We're like, whoa. 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 At the same town. Oh, okay. And it's right, right here across the border. It's not even like... Yvette, did you just post this on Brown Girls Rising? Somebody just posted this somewhere about um, Latino guys. And you know that they have a second family somewhere. Oh, yeah. Or they always tell you they don't have kids. But surprise, they do. And there's a whole other family. No, I sent that to you. Okay, she texted it to me. Whatever. <laughs> then we cu- we're at the funeral. And I'm hearing a story about a tío that passed away who was like, Oh, don't you remember we all went to the funeral and found out he had a whole other family oh, in Mexico? God. And I was like. I've heard those stories. I was like, uh, what? Yeah. That's why he used to go to Mexico all I the time. I know a couple people who that's happened to. Yeah. With, and they have like a bunch of other kids. And that happened to me with a white wife. dude. But that, it, it's cross cultural we just think of it oh latinos but it happens yeah, everywhere but men are trifling in every country yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's bad people cross-culturally there's bad people everywhere and but i think it's the immigrant thing you know it lends itself to yeah. those people all right so what about your feminism are you bringing to your cupcake making into yeah. your business i i feel like i've been a feminist from as long as I can remember. From have you always thought of yourself as a feminist? Or have no. you thought of yourself as like, I'm doing this and later attach the word? Yeah, it, it definitely became uh, the word. I learned the word later. I just knew it in me. I've always known when things aren't fair, 
and when things aren't fair because I'm a girl or because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I fought (laughs) at first at home because my parents had a business. And of course, I was the oldest one. and I have a brother who's six years younger. But I was always the one who had to clean the house. Mm-hmm. Why? I'm like, yeah, it's, my brother. it's double like, hard when you're in a family that's assigning gender roles yeah. and cultural things like you should get married and have babies, mm-hmm. which is what my mom tells me. <laughs> my mom ref- refused to learn how to cook. And oh. then she also, uh, she always tells me about when she was young and she's the one that always had to stay inside and clean yeah. up after her brothers when her brothers got to do whatever yeah. they wanted. And she was always like, like that. this isn't fair. Why mm-hmm. do I have to do this? And she's like, that's your job. That's your yeah. charge. You're the woman. Like, this is what you have right. to do. And she was always like, uh, no. Yeah. I, no. I don't have conservative parents. I don't have very traditional parents. Uh, I feel it's quite the opposite. But there's still those ingrained, like, yeah. you're a girl, so you have to do this. You have to make sure that you serve everybody before you serve yourself. No, we we don't have that. Oh, that's good. See, it's funny because now as a grown-up, as an adult, I've learned so much about my grandparents that I didn't know as a kid. So my grandmother, uh, my paternal grandmother, who's brown, um, she was an only child. Oh, to me, it's the weirdest thing. Like growing oh up in Michoacan, she was an only child. It might have been the Everybody circumstances. Everybody has a million kids in our family. Just she one had, gets pregnant and they all get pregnant she for had the fun 10. of it. Like yeah. I have five uncles and five aunts. Um, it might have been the circumstances, but she was an only child. And all of her boys, mm-hmm. she taught, you do not wait for someone to serve you. You serve yourself and you start eating. So for us, oh, it's not weird yeah. to see the men go and they get a plate and they we don't. Yeah. And my grandpa cooked all the time. My dad cooks all the time. My da- like I said, my parents are not conservative. They're not traditional. So it's never. My dad has always emphasized: if you don't want to be at home, then you work hard and you go to school and you. Because right. he didn't get. He did. He didn't. He only finished like fourth grade. Yeah. And uh, my mom only did I think junior high. And my mom started working and my mom grew up. My mom was the one, my mom's family is the one that had businesses. So my mom started working in the, in the restaurant. And when my parents got married, you know, they had a restaurant too and they worked it. So I think generals change a little bit because being a business owner or working a business gives you some sort of flexibility or freedom. Right. But there's still those gender roles. Like my mom mm-hmm. still had to take care of us, of us kids, of cleaning the house, of she was in the kitchen all day. And my dad was a fisherman, too. So he would go fish in the mornings, come back Mm -hmm. and work. I mean, the work was somehow divided. Mm -hmm. But there's still those little things here and there. Like, I remember once, once I remember my whole life, when I was, like, in fourth, fifth grade, my dad told me not to wear shorts to school. And it was the weirdest thing for me because he never, ever said anything about what I should wear or not. But I think he felt they were too short or something. I, I mean, I wasn't a hoochie in fourth yeah. grade, but I just thought, <laughs> I know this has to do because I'm a girl. Yeah. I don't know why you're telling me. Well, but it's a sexualization of little girls, right? Yeah. Right. And, and I don't know what he saw or felt that was inappropriate. Yeah. Or, or, or somebody who's else. looking at me. Exactly. Right. Who's looking. The male yeah. gaze. Oh, yeah. And don't even get it. me started on church because, I mean, I when um, my parents... I was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. and my parents um, converted to Christ to Christianism uh, when right after we moved here. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is that, is that change? I guess. But so it, they did that, and I used to always get this: don't wear, don't expose your shoulder, mm. mm-hmm. and yeah. or. You should be wearing a skirt. And oh my goodness. There was and I'm not saying I wasn't inappropriate. Right. I was not. But it was these little subtle things of a man telling you policing what you should wear. Yes. And yeah. I remember it was a winter and I was wearing a long skirt and I wore pants under my skirt because it was cold. Yeah. And the pastor told me pretty much told me you shouldn't be wearing pants. And mm. I was like, uh, yeah, that's extreme. Don't you it mind was, your own business? Things. But it's, you know, it, ha- it makes me think of like the Mormon girls, yeah. right? Um, Have you seen those shirts? They say, I can't, I'm Mormon. Oh <laughs> and you know what, too? Um, I, no I, offense I, to our Mormon friend. Yeah, no offense. Like I was, a, a, I was a Mormon friend who was wearing that. It was funny. <laughs> Inside joke for them. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. In college, too, that was really when my feminism was at in flor, we would yes. say in Mexico. Um, and oh, I, I like that. I was, I was, I was all about it. My, my theme. We had to choose a theme for our for our major. So my theme was was gender and sexuality. So I was yeah. all about it. Like I read bell hooks. I, yeah. you know, went to all those things. So um, into the music. My goodness, still to this day. Same. Um, can um, So in college, it was. It was a learning experience, but it was also, I think it's just, it's evolved from when I was a kid till now and being through, going through the phases. I think definitely now for me, for me, um, being a feminist, now I pay more attention to certain things. Like I think maybe in college you were still like all that energy and a little bit like man hating and, Mm -hmm. and just really being pushy and and pushing back so much being very defensive at all times but I think now I think about I think it's more I put it more into perspective like in my uh, who who I think you guys were talking about this like reverse um gender association thing where like the new feminist or some feminist um oh yeah who try to assimilate with a masculine, but with the masculine, emasculate men. Butch feminists? No. Is that, an, is that an inappropriate phrase? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, Sometimes I, think I say things um, without thinking. We, we I, I think some of us uh, make the mistake of pushing our feminism and to the point where we emasculate men and we have, yes, yes. So have unrealistic expectations. So the oh, end yes. of men, yes. Hannah Rosen uh, wrote this incredible book. She also founded the Double X blog for mm-hmm. Slate. And it's an incredible book about how women have tried to become the men that we wish that we want that yeah. aren't around for us or that we're not seeing. And in our attempt to become these men, we literally emasculate them and show them we don't need you. And yet we still have these fantasies of being rescued Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't solve that. And then in our sense of I'm unable to be feminine and soft and not feminine in like I wear dresses, but feminine in your emotional approach and how you can be soft with other people actually closes you off and closes other people off to you. And for men, we shame them for not being man enough. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. you shame people for that, we're setting up expectations that you're basically going to fail. You cannot be vulnerable with us. And when you do, we shame you for that and say you're not man enough. And it's that guilt trip, you know, nobody's ever good enough. And it's also just that's kind of built up around like heteronormativity and like gender roles, which are not necessarily like everyone is so into like gender fluidity now that yeah. I feel like that those types of things don't even really apply anymore because like yeah. what is masculinity yeah. what is feminine it because I'm it's everybody's man and everyone's a woman I'm argue this though because That's this like is my a life. highly shaming <laughs> issue I, I hear what you're saying Yvette but when you look at the audience so Worthy Women which is our company has a 10 to 12 percent male audience at this point mm-hmm. used to be none yeah. The men all tell me the same thing. I wish you had this for worthy men with the same topics because sure. I struggle with all of these things, but I can't go home and tell my wife mm-hmm. this because she's going to think I'm not enough. I can't tell yeah. my friends about this because they're going to think I'm not enough. I worry about finances, going out on my own, yeah. providing for my family, all of these things, empowering my wife, and yet I'm never allowed to be vulnerable. And so we shame men in that same way, and they wouldn't be coming to our events if that wasn't the case. And yet we can't call it worthy men because if we did, the sheer act of you registering for it tells me you don't feel 100% worthy in that area. And men will die on their horse or die on their cross before Mm -hmm. they admit that to you because we've conditioned them. So our job is how do we change the way that we raise men? We have this conversation with them just the same way we're doing with women. We It has to be inclusionary to do this with men men because we do it together yeah right yeah and so I'm so much more aware of that and with my husband now too um, I've been in other relationships where it's been very I'm the man and I don't do I don't cry Mm -hmm. I don't show emotion very very masculinity is such a prison yeah and and you know that's something I I I think of now and actually my husband (laughs) for saying it but he's I'm so surprised sometimes on how much his masculine and feminine energy intertwines. Mm-hmm. He's a very emotional type of sensitive guy, but he he's a still a guy. No, he's I'm Sagittarius. Oh, yeah, but and, and and I think of it. I think, <laughs> I think let 
men be men and not not in the, you know, I'm a macho man, but in, in just their natural way of being without emasculating, without putting them down, without be yourself, be how Agreed. you feel, but be aware of other people too. I, I'm constantly thinking of that, of not, of not emasculating or not uh, expecting something that's not realistic right. from them. Oh gosh, I find myself as you say that thinking like <laughs> I really fluctuate between my own masculine and feminine oh, me too. energy because I can like bite someone's so head off so quick. Yeah, it's hard. It is it's hard. hard to be. It's hard to be strong and in this like powerful woman and like self-determinant and then mm-hmm. also kind of try to incorporate that into a relationship where you're having to like give a little bit like it's really hard for me to give like yeah because I not fought give, so but, hard for this constantly yeah and mm-hmm. this has been detrimental in my last few relationships I literally can't turn it off when I get home because I fought all day for yeah. myself and for others and I'm fighting for every scrap and I get home and I can't turn it off yeah. and I get that you won't let me in you don't mm-hmm. trust me you're incapable of being so I've been called cold and I like detest yeah. that word. If somebody really wants to get under my skin and be like, "You're cold hearted," I will. I get cut like you. I get like you want to. You want to be the man. That's what I get in every relationship. Like and it's you got to so be offensive. On, you have to be the. And like you're trying to be in control. I'm like, yeah, damn right. I'm trying to be in control. Yeah. Why no, wouldn't I want to be in control? I'm going to tell you right now. I would love a partner where I can feel safe enough yeah. to surrender and say, yeah. "Go ahead was, and take I was this just from make me." That point. You know, if if you haven't felt that, you just haven't found the person. Yeah, and you I can say feel that safe enough from, to Yeah, go. and I can say that from experience. My husband now. It's the reason why I married this guy. Um. I, with him, I felt so safe and secure and supported as with no one else before. And it's the same thing because he, and I don't think he, he thinks about it or will say it, but his energies are mm-hmm. so intertwined. Yeah. And sometimes I tell, and I, as a joke, I tell him, you're such a girl. Sometimes I'm like, Ugh, you're such a girl, get over it. But, but it's, it's the same thing you're saying. You have to find that person that will allow you to feel these things. And going back to control, my husband and I are both in constant fight for control. It's a power struggle. Oh, yeah. We both have like always, the same Always my life. It's life. always a power struggle. It's always like can nobody wants to surrender. Like nobody wants yeah. to like give a little bit so the yeah. other person can take or like go halfway. It's like I always want it to be my way. Yeah. And it's and hard to too. Me. It's hard to work yeah. on that. But relationships are hard to, anyway. Like it's such it's hard, hard work on both sides. I feel like it's hard being a feminist too. Cause like when I don't know, like I have all these ideas and like tropes and like think like theories running in my head. And when yeah. I see signs of that in somebody and like the things that they say, I'm like, oh no, you didn't. Yeah. Oh no, you did <laughs> not just do that. Like you are shaming me you are gaslighting me you are othering me and like not maybe, today satan not today satan and maybe <laughs> like no es pa tanto like maybe it's just a situation but like yeah. i apply everything that i have to that thing yeah. and it makes it really hard for me to like care about somebody i think i, think I was like th- but but then the situation always it's going to it's going to be different but i feel like maybe i think that was me before and just having through going through you know my life I feel like I'm more conscious about that now. Like I'm trying to get it. Get everything it is control. an attack. But if I see it, you know, if I see something that's not right that I feel, especially with my family, I will say it. Like I'm constantly correcting my parents, my mom. Oh, it's, it's because es que es mujer. Oh, es que es hombre. I'm oh. like, no. Yeah. No, it's not. Like even when she's trying to make excuses for my dad. Like no 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 no. Like, yeah, don't that has don't give him do. that out. That's yeah, too easy. Exactly. I'm like it's not because the man. Like anybody could do that. It's just because he's hard headed. You know. I'm constantly correcting them. I remember um, one of my boyfriends told me he was like, you know what? You don't have to understand women. You just have to love them. And I was like, that's such a cop out. Like you don't want to take the time <laughs> the to get to. Yeah, you don't want to get the time to get to know me and like understand what makes me tick. You're just gonna like indiscriminately love yeah. me no matter what. I'm like, that's I don't want that. Yeah, I think I've really come to the point now in my life where I strive to think of people as people and not genders. Yes. Yeah. You yes. know, I and, and I though more. I will recognize that male and female brain work totally different. I, I still feel like. Everyone has feminine and masculine in them. It's just a balance and it's just intertwines and some people embrace it more than others. But I strive with think of people as people and not gender roles. As um, we all should. We make the world an easier place, I feel like. Sure. Absolutely. 
So, Karina, it has been incredible to have you here. We could talk to you absolutely all day long. Where can people find you and your Conchalicious Cupcakes? (laughs) Conchalicious. Well, Viva Los Cupcakes, you can find us, of course, website, vivaloscupcakes.com, Instagram at Viva Los Cupcakes, and Facebook at Viva Los Cupcakes. And the website, you will find the two markets we do every single weekend. Addresses and hours are there. And then stay tuned to Instagram because we come out to different cities as well. Fabulous. You can find me at Audrey Bellis. And you can find me at Yvette, actually. This has been Brown Girls Rising. Bye. This episode of Brown Girls Rising was brought to you by Nylon Español and recorded at Maker City LA in sunny downtown Los Angeles. We hope it's inspired you. For more, visit browngirlsrising.com. Follow us socially on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Worthy Women LLC and Brown Girls Rising for future episodes. Until next time.